Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide to the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. You join me with the pitter-patter of rain on my roof. I can hear it very well. You may be able to catch a bit of it. If not, tough. (laughs) Yes, you wouldn't have thought it's nearly July, but there we go. This week, I am actually about to go to my first gig, and I'm very, very excited. When I say that this week, I mean this week as I'm saying it, not this week as the episode goes out. bit confusing that, but there we go. I record these things ahead of time. This is not important. This week, I'm talking with Did and Grant of Empire. You may have seen Empire in and around the rock music kind of scene. They're really getting a name for themselves. Really good guys. Really, really good chat we had this time. We discuss all sorts of things like the most intense band tryouts I've ever heard of, what happened in Ibiza and afterwards, and what to do in a gig when your gear breaks on you. Shock horror. Anyway, on with the interview. So today on the podcast, I'm joined by Grant and Did of Empire. How are you both? Well, thanks. Yourself? Very good. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, happy to be here, Phil. Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. So my first question, as always, is from a random question generator. Uh, So I don't know what it's going to say. And my random question generator for you both is, what would you do on a free afternoon in the middle of the week? Oh, that's a good question. Grant, do you want to go first or shall I go first? Um, I can go first. A few options, either go to the pub go for a run or um, practice my bass or take the kids to the park. So there's a few different options there. There's quite a few options there. Um, I would probably go to the local cafe, which is about a five minute walk and have a cappuccino and do the crossword because I'm an old man trapped inside a young man's body. (laughs) I I love a a crossword and I try and do one a day. So Free afternoon, um, that is how I would spend my time. Rock and roll. Yeah, we're both very rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) So, moving on to uh, more serious questions. How did you both get into music? Okay, so uh, so basically, uh, I started off with music, learning uh, keyboards and piano in my youth, which I kind of wasn't into, actually, that much. I had piano lessons and did some grades, I actually, as a child, wanted to be in the NBA. Basketball was my thing. uh, And I ended up playing sort of county basketball at one point. But there was a point I was playing uh, in duos with a guitarist. And he had an electric guitar. And I was playing keyboards. We were playing like 80s pop hits in like assembly and things. And I remember at one practice, he had a Red Squire Strat. And uh, I think he nipped off to the toilet. And I just grabbed his guitar and it was set to the overdrive setting. I was about 11 years old at this point and I just hit the low E string. And I remember that sound to this day, just thinking, what have I been doing? (laughs) I was just like, that is a sound. You know, that sounds cool. Just the drone of the low E. And then it was six months of begging uh, my parents for an electric guitar. And my mum was like, no, we've invested in keyboard lessons. He's doing well. We'll get him a synthesizer or a keytar or something. And uh, then on my birthday, I went to Patrick Reed Music, which unfortunately is no longer there in Ketchum, which was like a, a specialist kind of fender shop in my hometown. And my dad and my brother, uh, we, we walked away with uh, my first Squire Strat. And uh, basically, I, I taught myself for about three months 
which was very difficult, very difficult. And then I had lessons at school and pretty much immediately got involved in a local music center, learning classical guitar, acoustic guitar and band uh, guitar. And we did concerts. And then I was in uh, a first electric band within the first year doing covers and originals with my brother on drums. And we used to go to uh, like a kind of rock school at the William Nibb Centre, which was a local um, kind of council community centre. And uh, we used to rehearse every week. And that's how I got into gigging straight away. But that was kind of the origins of me um, starting off in music, uh, really, really got into guitar. And then sort of later on in my teens, really got back into piano. Uh, really got back into piano playing, and that is now uh, quite a significant part of what Empire does. We have quite a lot of piano, uh, in, especially on the, the other side, the last album uh, we uh, released, and we've still got one piano single to release from that album. So uh, that's, that's kind of the origins of where I started with music. Well, for me, it's my, it's my dad's fault. So my dad is a guitarist, uh, and I grew up with him gigging sort of every weekend going out you know playing the pub circuit and so um i'd wait up and wait for him to come back from gigs and you know when i was about sort of 13 14 started going to gigs with him and so it's something that was uh you know i kind of watched him on stage and wanted to kind of be there with him and so at the age of 14, I started sort of depping with his band. So I started off as, as a drummer. I tried guitar when I was much younger and, you know, didn't really get on with it. I found hitting stuff was, you know, more suited to me. Um, funnily enough, though, I'm now a bass player, so I've kind of transitioned from drums to bass. So maybe that's like an evolution or something. But uh, yes, it's, it's my dad's fault. So... Uh, and we still play in bands together occasionally, you know, to this day. Um, we performed together at my sister's wedding some years ago. We've got another wedding that we're going to be playing, you know, together on. So it's uh, something that we still do, and it's it's very important to me. That's quite nice. Like, my, my parents are responsible for my music taste as well, but I've never played with them in music, which that's pretty cool. So... How did the band get together? So you both, you know, you've both picked up your instruments, um, but then how did you find each other? Basically, um, me and Henrik, uh, the the lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist uh, in Empire, we've known each other uh, for a long time, and it it kind Empire grew out actually of a covers band. We were in a Northamptonshire band called Great Divide, which was a bit of a different kind of covers band. We only played music we wanted to play uh, i'd just graduated from music college i'd posted an ad because uh, i'd met a bass player uh, that we wanted a singer to do some trio acoustic gigs and we heard henrik's voice and just completely blown away we did one gig within the first two weeks and got a residency at a local venue playing there every fortnight straight away and but when i heard henrik walk in and he sung like plush uh, by stone temple pilots alive we did some radiohead some matchbox 20 i'd just graduated from guitar x in london and i'd spent the year with international musicians singers guitarists bassists drummers vocalists and like top session uh, vocalists and 
I was like, this guy's been on my doorstep. You know, how have I not bumped into him? And I was absolutely, you know, encapsulated with his voice. And I just knew from day one that he, he, his wasn't, a, as well as an exceptional covers voice, there was something special about his voice that was suited towards originals. I've done the originals for, a, you know, throughout the years. And I just thought we've got to get around to that at some point. The issue was, before we met uh, the amazing Grant and Elia, that Great Divide kind of became very, very popular, the covers band. We ended up on doing wedding gigs and getting booked for parties, and we were having a good time. And, you know, there's not many wedding bands that go out there and play like Guns N' Roses and Pearl Jam and Queens of the Stone Age and Audio Slave. You know, why would you want that at a wedding? You used to go down at, like a lead balloon on the dance floor. But it became so popular that, um, you know, the, the originals kind of took a back seat. But sort of around sort of 2015, 2016, me and Henrik were writing acoustic music. You know, we were writing uh, acoustic originals, and but we couldn't source uh, a bass player and a drummer that um, had the same passion and enthusiasm for what we wanted to achieve with our own music. And uh, that's when Gran uh, first came along. After we recorded a couple of EPs with friends, Gran came along and joined us. And it's actually your anniversary today of your first gig yeah. with us, isn't it, Gran? Yeah, yeah it's uh, pretty much four years today, which, uh, yeah, I was quite surprised by that. Yeah, the time has flown by. So I had to go through an audition process. So uh, Empire are very, very picky, and rightly so. So uh, I was banging on the door, trying to do everything I could to persuade them to let me in. And after a few months, it literally the audition process lasted months. So I remember the uh, first audition. I learned the tracks, I played them, thought, nailed it. They're just going to give me the job on the spot. And they kind of uh, walked out, had a conversation. I thought, let's go a few more bits and really started sort of, you know, going through into the detail and sort of, really going through some of the um, sort of technicalities. So the standards in Empire were so high. So uh, I'm not the musician that, uh, that, that did is, or, or the talent that Henrik is. So I really had to uh, work very, very hard to up my game to demonstrate that I could perform at the level I needed to, um, and also demonstrate that I really wanted it. Because, you know, we, we all put so much into this band. You know, it's, uh, we all sacrifice a lot to to have the opportunities to have the time you know, to take advantage of opportunities etc you know it's um it's very demanding and I had to demonstrate that yes yeah i want in because the last thing you need is a member who's half-hearted or you know at some point decides that he's had enough because then you've got to find another you know musician and that puts you back potentially months if you're in the middle of a you know if you need to go tour or you've got some gigs lined up you know you need to kind of be confident that all your members are all looking in the same direction and all want the same thing. Um, what was it that made you pursue rehearsing and improving yourself in order to get into the band? Because surely there must have been at least a little bit of temptation to go, oh, no, this is too hard. I'm not going to bother. There was never that temptation. I, I remember sort of listening to the music and thinking this is exactly, you know, the sort of band I want to be part of. Yeah, um, yeah. The songs are a good mixture. They're well written. The music, I think, is accessible. There's elements of lots of different genres, and I, I found that intriguing and, and interesting. 
And and what was also really important for me is having listened to the music, you'd hear the quality, and then actually playing with uh, and you know, rehearsing with you know, Did and Henrik. You know the the standards were so high, and I always believe that you know if you want to improve, you need to surround yourself with people who are better than you. And, and they were. And so there's nothing like putting yourself into a difficult situation um, to make you up your game and sort of focus and help you improve as a musician or as an individual. So you, you uh, pushed forward and then you were accepted into the band and here you are. I think they got eventually got bored of me um, sort of begging and uh, <laughs> said, yeah, yes, finally. Qu- quite the opposite. We, we, we had we had the other interest and we had to give everyone a fair, fair go. And and Grant just like like tick, ticked the boxes outside of the musical ability as well. Obviously, you need that when you're recruiting. You need the right kind of uh, individual that can obviously play the parts and bring his own creativity to the band and moving forward and the dedication and the passion. But you've also got to get on with the person as well. You know, like we're all f- mutually friends uh in the band and we we bring it we bring in a plethora of different influences grant has got some really really unique interest in music that he listens to um that we've been exposed to uh one one of the bands that i'd never heard of that i'm checking out loads is that soan band grant that mm, we were yeah. listening to and we all bring that to the band so it's it if it, I mean, this podcast uh, is going out to like up and coming musicians, isn't it? And people interested in getting into music and collaborating with songwriters and music producers. I think what's imperative outside of musicality is that on a human level, you've got to find mutual people with the right attitude, the right dedication that you can get on with as as a friend, as as a person, because you are going to be out on the road. You're going to be together. You're going to have issues in a band. You're going to have problems and struggles, just like anything in life. And if you're with people that don't get on with each other, we know how that turns out. But if you've got your mates with you, that whole area becomes so much easier dealing with all the um, trials and tribulations of, of creating great music. So... Grant um, had that in spades as well as the uh, musical ability as well. So uh, we had to we had to let some people down, unfortunately, and we went with G Unit instead. Best, <laughs> best decision ever. I think that's a really important decision to make sure you're someone you get on with. That can't be underestimated. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's really important because you know when you're on the on the road, you live in each other's pockets. Yeah, we're all artists. We've all got sort of fiery tempers, and so and um, you disagree. You know, if you're when you're writing, it's you know it can be quite sort of emotional, and you're you're pouring yourself into music, and when someone's telling you I don't like that, you know, you need to have the sort of relationship where you can discuss, but also. Yeah, that you will fall out from time to time uh, over things, and and the relationships need to be such that that's recoverable and not a problem, and you can move past it. Exactly. Moving over a little bit, what was your first gig like as a band? Is this as Empire or the first time we were ever on stage? Oh, uh, let's say as Empire. <laughs> okay, so uh, the first, the very first Empire gig, I think, was for, for me and Henrik. We only did a few songs live and it was part of a cover set 
So it was the traditional thing of you're a covers band and you throw in some originals. And it was filmed on probably like an iPhone 3. <laughs> uh, I think there's still some footage of it. And we played, if I remember, we played a song uh, which is on Self-Aware, which has changed dramatically since Grant's in involvement in the, in the band. Uh, Something Remains... I think we probably played Just a Ride, and we played a cheesy, cheesy love song called Infinity, which got scrapped. But it was so... I loved it. I mean, I, I like... Uh, it was kind of like a rock ballad. Um, it, it suited Henrik's voice. But over, over time, like Grant's saying, there's certain things, you know, where you can write entire songs, and they just thought, oh, no, it's not working. You know, we've got to scrap that. But it was really, really fun. And then we would have we would have trialled it, um, at various other kind of covers band gig nights. The very, very first proper full originals gig night was a, a venue that's now unfortunately closed in Corby called the Zombie Hut. And we got notice for that on the week. We went there. We supported a band called Black Orchid Empire. Unbelievably, which I don't know if you've heard of them, Phil. You might have, they might have crossed your circles. They're a, they're a metal band. The name rings a bell. I, yeah, I Black em, Empire without the Y, Black Orchid Empire, and we we supported them, and I just I just remember it. It was great fun. It was great fun to do a whole set of originals, and we had a good sound. We had our friends there, and it was a proper spit and sawdust rock venue in Corby. We had a good audience for the first one, and um, yeah, that was the first one. It was it was really good. Where was the first um, gig? With the current lineup, I'm trying to remember. Was it was it in London and Camden? Your first gig, your fir uh, as in with Elliot, with Elliot, and with me. Elliot was the first gig. Was actually the or we had a kind of um, a band competition to play at Call of the Wild Festival in Lincolnshire, and we did a heat uh, in in Lincoln, a, ven a rock venue in Lincoln, and that was Elliot's first gig with us. So he was similar to grant when the opportunity arrived for a, we needed a drummer a dedicated drummer that really wanted to do it he just leaped uh, leapt on board i'd played with elliot for a number of years uh in various other iterations in other things that we were involved in um and then at that point i was just currently just doing empire only and we he did that gig with us and we won the heat and we got the gig <laughs> so not bad for him uh, I remember it was extremely loud that night, Grant, wasn't it? That gig. Mm -hmm. Massive PA system in a small room. But yeah, yeah, he, he did great. And uh, his second gig was also um, one of these competitions and we won that as well. So yeah, it was a good start for Elliot. So have you um, have you had any nightmare experience gigs as a band where it feels like loads of things went wrong? Or Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, well, you can you can tell the Ibiza story if you want post gig oh oh, oh truth yes so um this is this is going out to musicians and other things they, they need to realize what can happen when you're in a different country so yeah we're playing um the hrh road trip festival uh in ibiza um we were playing in a club that's normally what kind of music is it it's more, yeah you kind of standard sort of club type thing they convert it into a rock venue for the weekend. And so we got to play there and that was really, really cool. Um, it was a great gig. Um, I think was massive wagons playing that night with us as well. I think. Yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. So we've been drinking all day, uh, spent a few hours sobering up 
uh, played the gig, went really well, and uh, we were celebrating. And uh, um, I'm not entirely sure what happened, but I think Henrik fell on me or something, and uh, I managed to rupture my calf muscle. And so I couldn't walk for the rest of the weekend. And so I was on painkillers and crutches um, and self-medicating with a lot of um, beer and coffee for the rest of the weekend. And we had other gigs, which were a bit of a struggle. Managed to get through those. But where it got really difficult is we had a bunch of gigs lined up and festivals after Ibiza. So we got back to the UK in the early hours of the Monday morning. I went straight to A&E and um, yeah, it was, um, it was pretty, pretty painful, pretty difficult um, and a fairly long recovery. Like with a, with a break, they can just put a plaster cast, but when you, you tear a muscle, um, there's not a great deal you can do about it. So while I was recovering, we still had to gig. So I was hobbling around on crutches uh, unable really to walk very well and then getting on stage um you know because i didn't we didn't cancel any gigs i was determined we were going to do these and then you know trying to rock out with a a leg not working properly so we invested in a kind of stool which i, don't know, I felt pretty uncomfortable using it didn't feel very rock and roll so i might kind of perch on it between songs but you start playing it's like no no i can't do this so that was that was pretty difficult, but yeah, you know, we got through it. Should have uh, you should have made yourself a throne like Dave Grohl. Oh uh, yeah, that would have been a good idea. That nightclub Phil was called Eden. It's one of the main yeah. nightclubs in Ibiza, one of the central ones where basically in season, you know, some of the biggest DJs in the world go on, and, you know, and, and that whole nightlife scene, Ibiza club scene. That's where it happened. Some of the the big the big names in the kind of techno and electro world play there but out of season just before the season starts hrh go out there and kind of take over uh san antonio ground isn't it that area and they have various mm-hmm. rock rock venues set up and we got to play on on that main stage there and then like grant was saying we had another gig that weekend and he'd uh injured and for uh, 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 unfortunately with that injury and it was in an abandoned zoo in Ibiza, which was a seal enclosure, which is another highlight of the band uh, playing there. In terms of disastrous things for me at gigs, I've had uh, your stereotypical guitarist amp blow up on stage, um, which uh, another band on the scene, uh, Scam, kindly helped with providing another amp mid-set. That was at uh, the King Billy Rock Bar in Northampton. I've had pedals go out... um, what other things, Grant? There's loads, isn't there, for me? Well, that, that particular amp kind of uh, managed to fail at several gigs because uh, there's a festival in Carlisle we're playing. It kind of it went on like the penultimate track we we're playing. Um, that that went a few, at um, there was another festival. What was it called? Um, where it was kind of uh, only in the last few minutes managed to get it working before we went on. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. so when your gear starts failing and yeah, as you know, you know when you're touring your gear, it, it, it has a hard life, and uh, you know it's expensive. This stuff, you know, amps cost a lot of money, and so it's not the sort of thing at our level we can afford. You know, to have you know, many backups or any backups at all because it's uh, you know we we don't have you know Fender in Dead's case kind of backing us up yet. Uh, but maybe one day that'd be nice. Yeah, there was um, some detective work with. Uh, uh, this amp though, because every time it blew up, 
uh, I got it repaired and restored. And actually, it was because tube amplifiers. That's what I use. You know, some some tube amplifiers go for forty, fifty years, and they don't have, even have the tubes replaced. You know, they're so so like th- this had a lifespan of about four years, and I'd used the series previously over a period of a decade, but and I'm still using this amp. <laughs> Um, but it's got a particular inherent fault with the circuitry that tends to break down after a period of four years. So the, the latest one I've brought has got a five-year warranty. And they I explained to them, you know, the company in U- the UK, why I needed five years. And they were like, okay, we understand. So if anything goes wrong, that I'm, I'm assured that I can get a replacement or equivalent because there's an inherent fault in it, but it's my sound. So I've uh, Grant is a massive uh, gear enthusiast like myself, and we know what we like. And even though this wonderful Supersonic 22 amplifier has this inherent fault of a four-year, five-year lifespan, whereas some of the other Fender amps have a you know 50 years with nothing going wrong with them, only general maintenance uh i still use it so quite a surprising prop it's a great bit of kit it's a weird thing for them to do but there we are so it's uh, as a gigging musician i suppose one of the things it's really really important to think about is contingency plans so uh if you're on the road you, you need to know that if if you know your amp breaks what you're going to do about it you know if you're if you break a string what you're going to do about it i know it sounds sort of you know obvious but you need to go through your entire rig and make sure that you have um sort of plans in place so you know if uh you know you're preamping your bass files you know you know, do you have a backup bass can you switch to passive if you break a string what are you going to do about it yeah if your amp blows up can you di straight in so make sure that you're kind of pre-prepared so if something does happen you can kind of just uh enact the plan that you already have and go right that's fine let's just do this and you can carry on with the gig because if you're trying to work out what you're trying to do mid-set then you know you're a you're in trouble. I guess you can be a bit of a, a rabbit in the headlights if you just sort of encounter Rob and you go, uh, what now? We're mid-song. Uh, exactly, yeah. It's, it's, it's the worst feeling being on stage and you know your, your gear breaks and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, I don't want to think about it, to be honest. Um, I was quite right. What a horrible thing to think about. So there we are. You may have noticed I've not actually finished the interview. That's because this is an extra long chat that we had. So I've actually divided it into two. So the next part of the interview is going to come out next week. I'm going to borrow from part of next week's episode, though, because I asked Did and Grant what their favourite songs of the band were so that I could play one at the end of the podcast. Now, as it turns out, they each had a song that they wanted to play. So I thought since I've actually split the whole interview into two, I'd split their song choices, one in each episode. So this is Empire with Stone. Come on, dog. 
Hey.